It doesn't matter if you finish the race first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, last. All that matters that you finish the race. It's just as important as what trophy you come home with. Guys, this is episode number 52 of the Cozy Corner of Cinema being recorded and later uploaded in the nick of time on this beautiful Monday, March 27th, 2023. Oh man, I tell you, what a weekend it's been. I try to get these episodes up uh, earliest Thursday and absolute latest Monday. I try not to upload them too late, sort of as a uh, way of signifying the weekend. You know, a lot of us see the weekend as those moments those hours and those minutes that we get to have to ourselves. A lot of us don't work on the weekends. Some of us do, like myself. I work on Sundays, so I have Fridays and Saturdays to go about my business and pursue the dreams and goals I would like to pursue. You know, it's a beautiful signifying thing that people, they have this idea of the Friday mentality where they get to the end of the work week. They're done with their 9 to 5. They're not listening to their boss. They're not doing their work. They get to go home and do whatever it is, man. They have those 72 hours of just pure bliss that they can do whatever they want. You want to go out and see some friends and, uh, you know, socialize and meet some people, or maybe you want to stay inside and uh, get some work done, get some, get your dreams done, uh, take in some beautiful art, take in some novels, uh, some films, go to a museum if you decide to go out, uh, you know, um, it's your time, man. But the thing is that that Friday mentality, you got to have that all week, man, because we all have, uh, you know, I mean, we, uh, most of us have the burden of a nine to five job of a job that, you know, we would like to do something else. We'd like to do something that we, uh, you know, our, our dreams we like to get paid for, you know, you ask a guy in the street, what do you want to do? I want to be a, an amazing architect. Uh, you know, what are you doing now? Oh, I'm working at a, I'm working at a, uh, you know, I don't know, a gym or something like that. I'm working at a retail place. It's like, well, you can be a great architect if you're willing to put in the time and the work, man, you know? Um, but what I say before the Friday mentality is you got to have that all week. And when I say the Friday mentality, I don't mean the idea that you got to be walking around with a big old smile on your face, you know, this kind of forced positivity like, hey, the world's great, the world's, you know, grand, this and that. We all got our problems, man, except we all feel down sometimes and we all feel like, you know, some days are easier than others. You know, maybe somebody says something to you, it hurts your feelings, or maybe you discover a piece of news that doesn't sit right with you, man. It's not about just lying to yourself and being like, oh, well, I'll just stay positive, stay positive. Like, no way, man. You're sitting yourself back way further than if you're just taking your feelings, man. But when I say the Friday mentality, it's that today is Monday. When you get home from work after you did your day of work, what are you going to do when you get home? You're going to sit down with a beer and and just watch some, you know, some TV show and then go to bed. If that's what you want to do, man, and that's what makes you happy doing, then do it, man. Then you've already won it life and we're all, you know, envious of you. But uh, that ain't me, man. You know, when I get home from work, I have plenty to do. I have plenty to do uh, here, and I have plenty to do creativity, uh, creatively, man. I got to tell you, you know, um, it's all about finding that routine, and that that's the thing, man. 
we all got to have our own routines, you know, no matter what it is, you know, in our daily lives, uh, in our personal lives, little things, you know, maybe when you get in your car, you have your routine, you check the mirrors, you know, you make sure your seatbelt's on, you make sure emergency brake's not on, to, to grander things like, your, you know, what are you going to do today, you know, what is your routine going to be, and, uh, you know, I, I, my whole life has been managed by routines, by routines that I know what to do, when to do them, and how how to do it, man. I know that when I get home, I have X amount of time to get writing done. Uh, I have X amount of time to get reading done. I have X amount of time to get watching done. And sometimes you have to sacrifice one thing or another to fit in that routine. Uh, you know, I'm working on a big project right now that's been taking up a lot of my time, man. I've been editing a, a, a short that uh, me and some acquaintances made. So while the writing has taken a hit in terms of getting the uh, time to do it because I can't carve out too much time when it comes to watching, I got to keep that up because, you know, you fall behind sometimes or got to keep time with reading. You know, you're still putting in that creative energy and that creative work. You're not just going home. You're not just sitting there and staring at the wall and talking about, oh, you know, people like, you know, they got to work and they're just like, oh, you believe my day. You know, I, uh, this person said this to me at work and, you know, uh, oh, man, then this happened, this and that. It's like, well, hey, man, the work day's behind you. You deal with that when you get to that at work tomorrow, man. When you get home, you got that Friday mentality, man. That doesn't mean stay up late, you know, and don't get sleep. And, yeah, I'll stay up all night and do this and that. Man, it'd be great if you didn't have to sleep. you get so much more done. But that Friday mentality of, hey, man, you know, this is my time. I'm going to get the work done that I need to get done. And the results and the rewards will benefit when they come to me. It's great, man, I tell you. Let me get a sip of this, and we're going to keep on talking, man. Mm. Got a lot to do this week, man, but it's all going to all gonna be done in due time. All it takes is one step at a time, man. You're going to look at the bigger picture. You look at, uh, you know, look at a great film, look at a masterpiece, look at an epic film. I don't know, look at like Apocalypse Now, and you're like, oh, what the hell? Um, you watch it off oh, for Coppola. He made this masterpiece no problem, man. No way, man. You think that was made no problem? You got to be out of your mind, man. He uh, he persevered, and, and it's, it's insanity. He pulled it off, and... He made a masterpiece, and it's uh, you know, that's uh, that's actually a, a, a funny. I chose, I jumped to that film immediately. A film like that being a notorious shoot as it is, um, especially after reading uh, "Leave the Gun, Take the Cannoli" about the uh, all, really just almost hell that Coppola went through to make um, the Godfather and the issues that he was having with uh, the Paramount executives with um, uh, what was it Bob Evans and the other guy who I don't remember his name, but who is he was a uh, you know fighting for Coppola and wanting him to succeed. I haven't watched that show, The Offer, on Paramount Plus. I'm not really a TV miniseries kind of guy, but I've heard pretty good things. I just uh, I uh, I've already read the book, so I don't really need to you know I don't really have any interest in seeing a dramatized version of that you know. But it's crazy, man. You know, it's just crazy that he makes that, and then he I even mean, I've, I've mentioned before numerous times. This in one decade, he makes four of the best films of all time, and then you have John Sales, not John Sales, like John Sales. What the hell did that come from? Uh, uh, <laughs> John Cazale, gosh, man, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of John, I was just talking to somebody about uh, John Sales the other day, so it's funny how that popped up. You have John Cazale in five of the, he's only in five films, and it's five of the best films of all time, man, it's, it's wild, but have that Friday mentality all week, man, so that when you get to where you need to get to, and, uh, you know, you get to that point, you see, wow, I, 
you know what, I really came a long way doing this, and now I get to see the finished product, whatever that might be, whether it's your writing or your painting, or maybe you want to be an actor and you want to, you know, go, you know, do do some shorts, or you want to be a director and film some stuff, you know, ain't no one going to be waiting for you to do it, man, you got to take control of your own life, man, if you've been waiting around for somebody else... You've been waiting a long time. Speaking of waiting a long time, I need to. I shouldn't wait any longer to get a new chair, man. I feel like since the first episode a year ago, I've been talking about getting this new chair. I haven't gotten it yet because it still works pretty well. It's just very squeaky, and I've had it for quite a long time. But anyways, man, I'm going to get a sip of this, and we're going to talk about some films today, some interesting films that I watched uh, real recently. I'm going to talk about a film from late 90s, man. Uh, let me... Get the year up right here. I want to say it's 98 or 97. One of the, Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to talk about it's 99. I didn't even finish typing in. I remember it was from 99. This is one that, uh, you know, it's funny. I was, uh, it was, it was late last Friday night. I was texting an acquaintance of mine and uh, I said, Hey man, I came across this film. Uh, do you, uh, happen to own it by any chance? Can I, can I borrow it? And, um, in, in, in a crazy enough fashion, it's, uh, let me get here. Um, he would text me back. He said, yeah, I got this film, man. You want to borrow it? And, uh, man, I was on that, like, white on rice, man. I was like, that is awesome. Talking about a film from 1999 directed by, uh, a documentary directed by Go, or Gal Lewis. Uh, and, I mean, I guess also written by Kelly Morris. Not really sure you write it. I mean, I guess not, when I say write a documentary, I don't exactly mean, you know, like a narrative script, I guess sort of just like the outline or anything like that. We have uh, this film, it's called Sex, the Annabelle Chong Story, uh, and uh, yeah, I came across this title by accident, and I got very curious, because I'm, a, you know, I've, I've said before, I did a, if you guys listened to that episode, I did a long time ago uh, about the documentary The Bridge and how much I liked it. Uh, and how much I love documentaries, man. I love documentaries about uh, the adult industry as well. I find that all very fascinating. It's like a, you know, it really is the other Hollywood, man. It's, it's totally fascinating. But this documentary here, we have this lead, this lead uh, adult actor. Her name is uh, Annabelle Chong. And, uh, you know, she'd done a, uh, it, in the context of this film, she had done a couple of, uh, of uh, adult videos and stuff. She started to make a name for herself. She's got a fan club and all that. And she has this idea, man, and she has, the, she wants to be in the uh, the world, in the largest, uh, what is it, gangbang, I guess it, I guess you would say it is. Um, I, I think her original goal was to have sex with 300 men in 10 hours. Uh, but ultimately ended up doing uh, 251 men in 10 hours. Um, so it's an interesting way the documentary is handled, man, because initially, so you're watching the film and it, it jumps a lot in time. Like early on, they talk about Annabelle, you know, they say right off about Annabelle Chong, you did it, you know, you had this the biggest gangbang ever. You know, they're asking her, she's on Jerry Springer. They're asking her, why are you doing this, man? Why, what do you got, you know, what's the point of all this? And she has, you know, we see kind of a variety of different answers, but primarily she kind of, she talks about, wanted to take the idea of like uh, you know sex back to like the like a woman and how like you know she talks about if a guy like, you know has has sex with all these ladies he's a stud but if a woman does it she's a whore or a slut so she wants to kind of take that back like a feministic approach and and what's interesting about the documentary is that um, the way like I said before the way that the timeline is handled where we jump uh, you know. Almost immediately, we see a little bit of the actual making of the uh, the 
the video itself, you know, I, I think this, I mean, I would say this probably would be an NC-17 film because there are just some, there's some graphic nudity in it, but overall you don't actually see any of the action or anything like that, but they talk about, you know, how it happened and stuff, we see some stuff on set, and then we go to the aftermath of it, they talk about, I mean, it's really kind of like a downward spiral of a documentary, really, where we kind of just see, you know, Annabelle Chong is such a uh, fascinating person because you're watching this documentary and um, you can see her almost acting kind of differently in different points in time. And, you know, you could look into it however which way you could. You know, I, I don't really know much about Annabelle Chong. The previously to this, man, I want to talk about something after the fact. Um, but it's, it was... Uh, you know, the first part of this documentary when she's, uh, you know, when she's talking about doing this gangbang and then afterwards she's, uh, she's got like this very shaky kind of character. Like she's got like a shaky voice. It's very thin. Uh, and, you know, you don't want to make any speculations or anything like that. You don't want to be a jerk and just kind of make these assumptions. But you, you know, you start thinking a couple different things like, uh, you know, is there something more going on here? And then later on we cut more in time. We start to see, uh, kind of a different, not even a different version of her per se. Um, but really we start to see a different kind of, uh, uh, side and um the the documentary talks about kind of the uh you know the aftermath of it uh kind of how she you know really kind of got i shouldn't even say kind of she really got screwed over by the uh distributors on this they promised her money she didn't get money and you can see her trying to cope with it she's like well you know i said i want to do it anyways and this and that and you know um but you know, they screwed right out of like ten thousand dollars man you know and i don't want to give the whole documentary away man i mean i will say the documentary is um I looked up a little bit about it after the fact, man, and, you know, I think there was some controversy behind it, um, you know, from from what I read, Annabelle Chong, who, uh, the director, Gao, or Go Lewis, uh, however you say his name, this is his only credit, and according to her, um, you know, she was dating him at the time, and, uh, she said that he left some stuff out that, um was not in the documentary. She says that some of the timeline stuff isn't quite accurate, specifically at the end. There's a stinger at the end, sort of, that she says isn't accurate, um, which is curious because there's some dial... And I I gotta be vague about some of this stuff, man. One, I I don't really want to get too explicit. You know, I'm trying to make this a a PG-13 kind of program, man. But uh, on the other hand, it's like she's saying some stuff that... If uh, it's strange the way she phrased some things, if, it, if it's not meant to take place after, and I don't really want to say anything more than that, but it's just you know, after the title card comes up and the car- and and she's talking about something, I'm I'm thinking like, well, wait a minute, wouldn't that be after the fact? It's hard to explain what I'm trying to say. But obviously, I don't want to go into it, man. But I did like the documentary, man, quite a bit. I uh, I I was googling Annabelle Chong because I wasn't familiar with her as an adult actor, man. This I I, I consider myself fairly well versed in the golden age of porn, but when it comes to later on, when the introduction of video, home video, and a lot of the '90s into early 2000s, um, kind of adult era you know I, I don't I'm that's really where I kind of am not uh, as knowledgeable uh, about a lot of it man I, mean, I know some but I, I, I'm definitely not as knowledgeable as I as I am about the 60s to the uh golden age in the 70s but um yeah, there's an article that i found pretty interesting from vice who sometimes their articles can be kind of hit or miss for me um but it's an interesting kind of uh 
point of view that I think was written in 2020 during the uh, lockdown and all that. We were talking about um, her reaction to the documentary, going to Sundance with it, answering kind of uh, inappropriate questions from some of the reporters and how, you know, it would be interesting to see a follow-up documentary about this now, kind of Annabelle Chung looking back on this point. But the the vibe I kind of got from the article, man, is that maybe she uh, is trying to leave that part of her behind, man. She She's into coding and, like, she's into, you know... I, I recommend that argument. I don't. I don't want to like you know butcher any of uh, what they're saying, but um, it was an interesting point to see how she kind of wanted to move on from it and didn't want this to uh, you know be who she is as a person, sort of that. I mean, there was one moment in the film that I actually thought you know it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty wild, man, in terms of, like, you know, I'm not, I mean, getting it on camera. There's a, a, a confrontation at the end of this film that uh, is pretty uh, emotional, man. I was I was uh, kind of surprised. I'm like, wow, you know, I don't know if, you know, I don't know how much they ran by uh, uh, Annabelle for the documentary. I, I Maybe, according to her, not enough or not, you know, at all. I really have no idea. But it's very interesting stuff. And, I mean, I'd, I'd recommend this to people who are fans of documentaries about the adult industry. Um, this is one of the good ones man at least i think so uh you know other great ones you know inside deep throat um Gosh, my mind, my mind is drawing a blank right there. I tell you, I was going to record this yesterday, but oh my gosh, man, I came home from work and my body and my mind were saying, man, you ain't getting that microphone out. You're going to be sitting down. You're going to be catching up on these films. And I said, you know what? That's exactly what I'm going to do. Because I watched this late last night. And I the, the film I had watched previously before this, uh, which I actually uh, liked quite a bit, uh, um, what the hell was it called? A Poison for the Fairies, I believe it was called. The the one that Vinegar Syndrome just put out to me. Make sure I got the name of that right. Yeah, Poison for the fairies very cool uh, uh mexican uh i don't even want to say horror films it's really not that and probably will be listed as horror but it's uh directed by this guy carlos enrique Ta- taboyada if i said that correctly yeah it's really more of like a dark fantasy film but it's a uh, very cool stuff but towards the end of that film because it's very dialogue heavy i found myself kind of getting a little tired and yeah i even nodded off for a second or two but when this came on man i was like wow this is really fascinating man and it's it's crazy man they're going through all these guys and it's just like they're not you know they're they're disputing about who you know testing the guys and stuff and this is you know this is a decade after the AIDS you know epidemic and all that and it's just crazy how they were so lax on just this sort of thing I mean they talk about how you know Annabelle uh, uh, was told that they were all going to be tested and stuff, but then the other guy was saying, like, nah, man, these guys just walked in, you know. Uh, I, I mean, I, was, I can only imagine how bad that room must have smelled. Good Lord, man. Um, but uh, the documentary, the DVD is out of print. I was curious looking on uh, eBay and stuff, and it looks like the DVD goes for about 35 40 bucks. 40 um, I'd love to get a Blu-ray of this at some point, maybe with some new interviews, but I don't know how... Um, uh, I, I don't know if Annabelle Chong would be willing to, uh, really discuss this, man. I, I, as a, uh, as, as somebody watching this film, you know, there's a lot to take away from it as somebody who's not familiar with her, or like a lot of, maybe a lot of background, some of these people, I really have no idea. I mean, you know, I can only judge as a, uh, as a viewer, but, uh, I found this to be very fascinating and worth your time. Should you, uh, find yourself interested in this sort of thing, man. And actually I was going to talk about another title. But I wanted to talk about this that I watched a couple weeks ago that I, I wanted to mention at some point. You know, there's so many titles you watch that, uh, and so many, you know, so many things you come across, so many books, so many pieces of art that you can only talk about so much, man. But uh, I, I did want to talk about this because I found this very interesting uh, where I, uh, I, so I'm watching this film, man, 
and I've had this Blu-ray for a little while now. This was a this was a Criterion Blu-ray, another documentary, man. All right, getting into some some uh, possible feminist issues or not, you know, it's uh, depending how you look at uh, the Annabelle Chong story, but this one definitely so. And I'd had this documentary, and I was like, all right, you know, I'm sure it'd be interesting. Maybe I'll check it out at some point. And uh, it finally came up to watch. And this is a film that uh, I think was originally. I don't think it came out until years after it was actually made. Yeah, let's see here. Filmed in 1971, the final version of the film was released in 1979. That's an eight-year gap right there. Wow, that's wild, man. Directed by Chris... Um, Jeez Louise, man. This is me trying to pronounce names. Directed by Chris Hegedus and D.A. Panabaker. Town Bloody Hall from 1979. Uh, man, I, this was one that totally won me by surprise, man. When I first started out this film, you know, I kind of had an idea of it. You have, you have real, you know, Norman Mailer, who's a very known, uh, 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 writer, a very controversial writer. You know, I'm not as familiar with his work. Um, I, I came across this big book that I really want to read when I get the opportunity to, and I'm done with my current book. I think I'm going to, uh, hop right into that one. Uh, I think he also wrote some screenplays as well, uh, to my knowledge. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm not as familiar with a lot of his work. But, uh, oh, he directed Tough Guys Don't Dance with, uh, what's his name, with uh, Wings Hauser, I think. Wings Hauser's in that, right? Or am I making up? Or am I making that up? Yeah, Wings Hauser and Ryan O'Neill, Isabella Rossellini. Oh, my gosh, man. Uh, anyways, but he's, uh, you start out this film, and this film is, is very entertaining. You have Norman Mailer versus these uh, four, or I think it was five, uh, kind of women's activists. And um, what's, what's wild about the film, and what's so uh, fascinating about it, is that, uh, you know, you're watching it, and it really almost kind of, and I say descends into chaos. I don't mean people are throwing chairs. I don't mean people are... Uh, jumping up and going crazy, man. It really is a descent into chaos because Norman Mailer pretty much it's him against uh, 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 first off these ladies and then second off the audience, man. It's completely wild where you're hearing these arguments and uh, you know they're talking about different uh, women's rights issues and you know I'll admit a lot of the contexts of what they were saying in terms of I don't know if this was referencing something else or not. It went a little over my head. I wasn't entirely uh, understanding some of it, but it was very fascinating. Norman. Mailer's an interesting character, and just the way the audience was growing impatient with Norman, and how Norman was very, uh, you know, he has some good remarks in this film, and then other times, you know, I guess the audience is applauding, and other times they're booing him, and it's like a total, just like a uh, uh, back and forth that... You know, on one hand, you're watching it because you want to get some sort of educational background with a topic, you know, like, you know, this kind of era where uh, women were, you know, getting more vocal about women's rights and stuff. And, uh, you know, a lot of more kind of uh, feminist kind of ideas were coming into place, man. So you're watching it from that kind of historical point of view. But it's also you got the entertainment point of view where it's, it's if it was a dry panel, ain't no one would be talking about this film all these years later other than just a footnote and a historical point where you go, hey, remember when Norman Mailer did that thing with those ladies on the panel? And they go, ah, yeah, I remember that, you know, but uh, I haven't seen it in forever. Who knows? Who even knows about that? But then now we're watching it in 2023 and we're reveling in the entertainment of it, you know? It's just great to see this back and forth. It seems like everyone in the film is just 
Uh, you, you don't get a, a true sense of maliciousness from the people on stage. I mean, even Norman, even though Norman Mailer is going up against these ladies, you know, you don't really get a sense he's angry about the whole thing. I mean, or if he is, he didn't show it to me. Like I said, I'm not familiar with his uh, with his work or him as a person. I know he's been a controversial kind of guy, but uh, watching this just as a one-time uh, singular uh, uh, fella without any kind of real background in it. I, I can only observe what I'm seeing on the screen. You know, I'm not actually sure what if there were any or what the features were on on this release, man. I hadn't uh, looked too in-depth into it. I believe Norman Mailer's been passed for a couple of years now. Yeah, died in 2007, man. Um, Real fascinating stuff, though. I, uh, I, I wish I had talked about this one sooner because I would have written some notes down for it. I'm kind of going off just creative thought on this one. But I wanted to mention that because, uh, for whatever reason, the Annabelle Chong story kind of uh, had me thinking of this film in terms of, uh, this, you know, I said before, this documentary, this feminist kind of point of view, man. It's real fascinating stuff, man. Uh, uh, you definitely want to get yourself onto some of these documentaries because you're going to be entertained and you're going to learn something, man. That's what you, that's what you watch them for. Um, I'm going to be cutting this episode a little bit short today. I'm going to tell you, this, this week's been so busy, you have no idea. If you know how busy things have been, and make your head spin into oblivion, man. But uh, let's see. I, some of these, uh, I may have to talk about that next week, man. All right, there's another film I was going to talk about, but I might not uh, have the time for it right now. But I am going to cut a little bit short. So you guys enjoy this week ahead. Make sure you're working on whatever it is you need to work on. Don't slack off. And if you do slack off, make sure you get back up and get the job done. Because all that matters is not who finishes first, but if you finish. All right, man. You guys take care.